Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. Uh, Billy Graham once said, A good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in our society. And so how about if you're sitting with your father or your dad uh, or... uh, how about you just give them a round of applause right now? I'm, I'm clapping by myself, but hope that love is, is being felt right now. But I wanted to read a poem <laughs> about, about dads. And so bear with me because um, I'm not really a poem guy, but I thought this was really cool. So it says this. It's by uh, Edgar, Edgar Guest and it's called Only a Dad. It says, Only a dad with a f- tired face coming home from the daily race, bringing little of gold or fame to show how well he has played the game. But glad in his heart that his, that his own rejoice, to see him come and to hear his voice. Only a dad with a brood of four, one of ten million men or more, plodding, plodding along in the, in the daily strife, bearing the whips and the scorns of life, with never a whimper of pain or hate for the sake of those who at home await. Only a dad, neither rich nor proud, merely one of the surging crowd, toiling, striving from day to day, Facing whatever may come his way, silence whenever the harsh condemn, and bearing it all for the love of them. Only a dad, but he gives his all to smooth the way for his children small. Doing with courage, stem, stern, doing with courage, stern and grim, the deeds that his father did for him. This is the line that for him I pen. Only a dad, but the best of men. Happy Father's Day. God bless you. Well, this morning, I want to speak for a few moments about something that I, that I hope will really help you, help everyone this morning. But before I do that, um, I want to say that if Father's Day is a day that reminds you of, of hurt and loss and, of, uh, and, and that more than it being a day of celebration, I want you to know God sees and wants to bring hope and freedom to that area of your life. Uh, as many of you know, uh, I lost my dad about nine years ago, and I distinctly remember a couple of years after my dad passed away, uh, walking home, I'd been playing guitar uh, in, the, in the service that morning, and I was walking home on my own on Father's Day and, and just crying the whole, whole way home uh, because it just hurt so much. And this day um, just really just uh, breaking me. And my heart, so my heart goes out to you. And I also saw on Facebook how somebody wrote a quick post saying that they were just going to go off social media um, until the weekend had passed because they didn't want to be reminded about what they had missed out when it comes to having a father. Um, so if, if that is you, uh, first off, you're not on your own. Uh, and secondly, you're in the right place this morning. You're at the right place today. Uh, and I hope that you can find healing in that hurt. And uh, just know that that healing can only be found in, in Jesus. But how about we uh, open up the word this morning. And I want to read, out, uh, read to you out of 1 Corinthians 4. Verse 14 to 16, and uh, this is what it says. I do not write these things to you. This is Paul, the apostle speaking. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you, Then be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, 
to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. How about I pray this morning uh, before we go on? Uh, Lord, help me to speak your word this morning. Oh, we want to know you. We want to see you as we should. And I pray for everyone that is joining us, that you would touch them right where they are, in every kitchen, every living room, every bedroom, every uh, front porch, Lord. I pray that you touch them, Holy Spirit, right where you are, right where they are. And Lord, I pray for the All Blacks tonight as we put that little island off the coast of us in its rightful place. In Jesus' name, we all pray and say, Amen. Amen. So I want to share with you a principle uh, today that we see at work here through the Apostle Paul as he is pouring out his heart to the church in Corinth. And you know, God has so much that he wants to get to us, but the vessels that he uses so often to get what he wants to us so often is simply through people. It's through people that God pours his blessing out to us so often. The Bible talks about generational blessings and curses quite a bit. And his expectation of us is that we wouldn't just receive a greater understanding of God's character for our own sake, but that it would be, that it would be passed from one generation to another. Psalm 145.4 says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. In the message version, it says, Generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. It's like a spiritual transference, if that's even a word, that takes place when we put ourselves in the place of allowing significant relationships to be formed with others. And that takes place so often when we allow people to become close enough to us in order for us to hear what they have to say uh, for for long enough. I mean, hearing those stories and telling stories isn't just a one-time thing. It's an invitation for deeper relationship. That's what I want to speak about this morning. It's just deeper relationship, the need for a deepness in our walk with others. For the good to be transferred and passed on, God's, God, God also had to take the risk that there may be some, uh, some bad that is also passed on too. And we see that so often in statistics, and if you just have to go online and just uh, look at it for a bit, and you see where dysfunction that is normalized in the family is then also often carried on uh, by, by the children. Pain and brokenness almost becomes what is expected in life. When pain and brokenness is what you grow up in, it it can often be what is expected for the future. Uh, So that once what was once most hated about what you grew up in uh, can can seem like the only way forward for yourself. And I want to encourage any of you that may be feeling that or may have grown up in that. I want to encourage you that Jesus, Jesus can make a way out of that brokenness and that hurt. And let me say this to everyone especially all the young people today, this morning that it, it might seem a little bit harsh for me to say this, but, but hear, hear this, and, and I mean this with love. If you didn't come from a stable family, make sure a stable family comes from you. I'll, I'll say that again. If you didn't come from a stable family, that's okay. That's reality of life. That, that, that's what happens when we're born into a world that, that is full of sin and hurt and, and pain. But if, if you if you if you didn't come from a stable family, make sure a stable family comes from you. 
But what I'm talking about this morning is the, the spiritual transference, uh, the, the inheritance that we have, that we, can, that we can all have through people, and especially when it comes to fathers. It reveals an aspect, a, a, a part, a, a piece, a feature, a facet of the heart of our Heavenly Father. That's what fatherhood in the natural does. It reveals to us a facet of the heart of our Heavenly Father. And everything that is inherited that was because of the work of the enemy can be broken in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can I get an amen in the comments? Amen. And maybe you were someone that was born into an amazing family with a great dad and, and it's easy to celebrate that. Easy to celebrate him. Easy to celebrate the fathers in your life. And you should do that today. I encourage you. Don't just let this day pass by. Celebrate. Honor your father today. Or perhaps you, you don't have a good relationship with your dad. But in your journey, you've had the chance to inherit, and that's what I love about the church, you've, you've had the chance to inherit multiple spiritual fathers, and today is also your chance to honor them too. Because whether it was the father that you were born with, or, or a father that came into your life along the journey of life, I doubt that they can be everything that God is, but there is all, or there was almost always at least one way that they can reflect who he is. Let me say that again. I doubt they can be everything that God is. No man is perfect. No father has it all together. But there is almost always at least one way that our fathers here on earth, spiritual or physical, that they can reflect who our heavenly father is. And despite what you lack here on earth with your biological father, you have full access today through your heavenly father. You have full access to all that, you, all that you long for, all that you desire, all that you've missed out on. You have access to that today through your heavenly father. So in 1 Corinthians 4, the apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And uh, Corinth was a, was a port city in modern day Greece that had become very wealthy. It was a very wealthy city. Uh, become very influential due to where it was located and it had the ability to trade as a as a common route between the east and the west and and it was just it, it was a city that had it all going on it was kind of like Palmerston North it just it was just it was just popping off it was just doing good things and but because of this uh, the city was very diverse with the population and apparently had over 600,000 people uh, it had a very diverse culture but along with a very diverse culture uh, came diverse religion and also different morality norms. In short, Corinth had a well-known reputation for its depravity. Not like Palmerston North. Palmerston North is amazing. But that's what Corinth really was known for. And the church of Corinth was set up right in the middle, right in the middle of this bustling, growing, and really immoral city. And if you read the first few verses of 1 Corinthians, you'll see what was really at the heart, of what was really Paul's heart for these people that were being led by the culture that they were in at the time. And this is what it says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 2. I am writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Essentially what he was saying Jesus is calling you to live in a different way than what you see around you. 
And then a couple of chapters later, he gives a warning like a father, uh, like a father would lovingly to warn his children. And I feel like it's kind of that look that I, I might get, you know, when I'm uh, sitting around the table having dinner with people that we have over, or maybe we're at dinner with some other people and, you know, you kind of just get that warning uh, in the eyes and you kind of just don't go any further. Uh, you're, you're at the limit, mate. Don't, 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 don't make any wrong move. And kind of that's what uh, Paul was doing. Not really, but uh, he was just lovingly uh, saying to them, warning them about what was coming. And so this warning even is that even though to the church in Corinth, that is that even though you have 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, even though you have all these people that have good intentions and say all the right things, what you are really lacking is a spiritual father. You may be surrounded by people on every side that have the best of intentions and want to encourage you on the road that is ahead. But what you really need is someone that will be like a dad for you in God. I feel like this is the word for some people here today, that you've got great people around you. You're surrounded by an awesome community, but what you really lack in this season of your life is spiritual fatherhood. And he goes on to say that he is sending Timothy to, to them, uh, Paul's spiritual son, in order to remind them of the ways that he had lived, Paul had lived for Jesus. And, and I really, really, really believe that one of the schemes of the enemy is to bring so much division between sons and daughters and their fathers, like a chasm that grows deeper and deeper over time until it seems completely impossible. And for our distance relationships with our earthly fathers to become the lens, hear me this morning, it, it can become, in that disappointment and hurt, it can become the lens that we look through when we try to look to our heavenly father. We look to God through the fathers that we have here on earth. But I wonder how many people's lives would change in our world if they had a correct perception of who God really is. I wonder in our city, in our nation, the people that you walk by in the street, I mean, the people that you're arguing with on Facebook or Instagram, I wonder what our world would look like, what they would look like if we truly had a correct perception of who our Heavenly Father is, He has got a better way for you. And part of that is, is, is for relationships to function as they ought to. Because it was never God's desire for you to do life on your own. We see that all the way back with Adam. God says it's not good for man to be alone. In fact, you look at Malachi 4 verse 6 and the very last verse of the Old Testament, and it's as, as if uh, before that there is what is called the, the, the 400 years of silence between the Old and the New Testament, we can hear God's cry, and that's what it says, the very last verse in the Old Testament, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. You don't have to look far in society to see how the absence of the father, whether it be biological or spiritual, it has caused so much harm across our nation. Today, though, can be the day that God can heal the father wound that you have residing within you. God, this can be the day. This can be the start line. This can be the beginning of your journey for God to heal the father wound that you've been living with for so long. Because God desires us to be in relationship with others and to have fathers 
that truly reflect the goodness and the greatness of our God. And there are many attributes of our Heavenly Father that we can see in the Word. His kindness, His strength, His goodness, His power, His healing, His restoring nature. But I just want to share with you this morning with how I saw the heart of God through the fathers that He placed in my life. Everyone's got a story, and I guess that this is mine when it comes to the fathers that I have had in my world. And the goal that I have in this isn't for you just to care about what I've seen and heard and experienced for myself, but so that you could start to see the heart of God in the fathers you have today and to celebrate and to honor that. Or that this could be a moment where you could begin to ask God to place people in your life so that you can see God more clearly. But as I said before, it's often as we look to our fathers here on earth that we get a glimpse, a clear view of who our God really is. And so first off, I'd like to highlight the lesson I learned from my father-in-law, Owen, Owen Viles. And that is the lesson I learned of acceptance. I remember going to Sophie's place for dinner uh, for the first time when we just started dating. Funnily enough, I'm standing right next to uh, where we sat together for the very first time for dinner. It's actually this house that Sophie was brought up in. But um, uh, right there, I remember right there is where I st- was where I sat when I met Sophie's family, had uh, dinner with Sophie's family for the very first time. But I felt like an outsider. I was an outsider, to be honest. Uh, I was a guest at my girlfriend's house. I had to fit in. I just sit straight. Elbows off the table, show respect, show my manners, you know, do all the right things that you're meant to, to kind of prove to your girlfriend's dad that you're willing to come to dinner at his house. And it's not that I stopped doing that once Sophie and I were married, but something definitely shifted when we were married. And all of a sudden I went from a guest around the table to being actually part of the family. It's like one at one point... I was just a guest, and then the next day, the next week, I was part of the family fully and completely. It's not that myself and Owen had a conversation at all about this or anything like that. It was now just a fact. I was once an outsider, but now I had been added to the family, and Owen welcomed me and treated me and, and, and embraced me and allowed me to be part of the family just like his children were too. In Psalm 68, 5 to 6, it says, Father to the fatherless, this is who God is, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. It's my prayer for you today. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Did you know that because of Jesus, you are welcomed into the family? You may not know what it's like to be a son-in-law, but you, but you can know what it can mean to be a son or a daughter of God. You aren't boarding in this house. It's not a hostel that you have to, be, have to apply to be part of. It's not a home that you have to rent to be allowed a room in it. This is a family that God invites you to be part of. And he is a father that wants to be known by you. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us His children. And that is what 
we are. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, God decided, I believe I shared this last week, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Church, person, young or old, know this morning that because of Jesus, because we are adopted into his family, you are accepted. How do you say that? I am accepted. Come on, everybody say that. I am accepted. You're accepted by God. You're adopted in. You're now part of the family. The second lesson I've learned is through the great Pastor John Walton. This is the man that came from a hugely religious uh, background, and I won't go into that, but he'd love to talk to you about it, I'm sure. And although we aren't meant to put our trust in men, Pastor John is a testament of a man that has lived a life completely sold out to Jesus. He has stood the test of time, even when it has been difficult and inconvenient, all while maintaining a sweetness in his spirit so that the main thing is always the main thing, and that's Jesus. And the lesson I've learned from Pastor John is the lesson of faithfulness. In fact, I've, I've been lucky enough to sit down with Pastor John many times. And on one of those occasions, I asked him, if you ever felt like quitting as a pastor, to which he replied, oh, every week, <laughs> if not every day. Uh, just, and then he said, just never take your eyes off Jesus. He, he felt like quitting for sure, but just never take your eyes off Jesus. And with Life Church about to turn 40 years old, Pastor John and Yvonne are still in church at our 11 a.m. service and still worshiping Jesus and for sure probably watching right now. And to me, that gives us a glimpse into who our God is. He is consistent. It, more than a man is, he, he is trustworthy. He is pers- he, he, he is, his personality, his persona and, and view of what to come doesn't change at the seasons or sway with the issues of life. Our God is faithful and true and consistent. That is the one constant in the equation of life, and that is God's faithfulness. You just have to look at the Old Testament and how time and time again, time and time and time and time and time again, his people would turn their backs on him and it would break his heart. It'd break his heart because all through the Old Testament, God would try, would, would remain faithful, but his people would turn away from him. And that's the story of the gospel. That's the story of the good news that despite how many times we turn away, Despite how many times that the Old Testament, the, the Israelites turn their back on God, he still remains faithful to the, his people. The, 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 the good news, the gospel is that even with all of that, he remains sure. And even when people weren't faithful to him, he remained faithful to us. To the point of sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, to carry the weight of sin so that we could be free and live without condemnation. Psalm 104 verse 5 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. We share this a lot. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Why? Well, verse 5 says, For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. That's, that's our God. He is faithful. And always remember, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's this lesson that I learned from Pastor John, that as he has been faithful to Jesus, 
so too has our Heavenly Father been faithful to us. The third thing that I've learned about God through another spiritual father is correction. <laughs> and amongst other things, uh, Pastor Dean Olson taught me the value of putting things back to how they are meant to be. Pastor Dean, he's the most kind, generous, loving, just amazing man. And, and I have so much respect for him. But for, and for, for a while, uh, Pastor Dean, he was, he was my oversight as I was taking on more responsibility with the youth group. And I just had all these dreams about what we could do as a youth ministry, what God was going to do through youth at Life Church. And I was just so excited and just really to charge the hills and, and do anything for the, for the cause of Jesus. And so I allowed that, that pressure, though, to, to, to mount on top of me and uh, to do something great for God and to really prove to myself that I, was, that I really was doing a good job. And I just added more and more and more pressure onto myself. But what I didn't realize was that, God, uh, was that uh, that pressure I was putting on myself, uh, I was also raising the pressure that I was putting on the team that I was leading in order to keep this thing moving forward and moving onward. And so... The amazing Dean, who I love and respect so much, he came, he, he called me to sit down one day and he graciously explained to me, uh, Zion, you're going too hard you, you, and you're going too fast. You need to take better care of the people that you are leading. And this is probably the only time that he had sat down with me and corrected me for doing something wrong. And while in the moment I wanted to defend myself, as the week went on, Holy Spirit started to show it for me for myself that I really was in the wrong. And Pastor Dean, he's, he's now pastoring a great church in the Upper Heart as part of our New Life Church's family, which is awesome. But he gave me a glimpse into the heart that our God has for us. He gave me a glimpse. He, 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 he showed me just for a moment the attitude, the, the, the heart that he has for you and I. That there are times that we start to go off course without even realizing it. And along the way, the voice of the Holy Spirit comes to convict us on where we're going off course. Not in the way that makes us feel trodden on or, or, or less than or makes us feel horrible. But it's actually a, a diversion back to the direction that God has called us to go in. And let me also say that the more you listen and obey to the Holy Spirit, the clearer that voice will become. But the more you disobey and go your own way the dimmer that voice will be. You know, if God knows all, then God definitely knows best. And that's the great thing about our Heavenly Father, that we can listen to Him and He can get us right, He can get us back on the right course. Hebrews 12 Verse 5 to 11, it's, it's a few verses, so just stick with me. In the message it says, Have you forgotten how good parents treat children? And that God regards you as His children. My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. And don't be crushed by it either. It's the child He loves that He disciplines. The child He embraces, He also corrects. God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children, only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us 
So why not embrace God's training so that we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, but God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always seems like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off big time, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in the relationship with God. Amen. God is good. He loves and he cares for you. And that's why he corrects us. Let me also say, if your God doesn't disagree with you once in a while, you're probably just worshiping yourself. And so it's our challenge for us all to know that our father cares for us and loves us enough that he's going to get us back on course. The next lesson that I learned from a father was from a man who I owe so much of who I am to, and that is Pastor Ralph Sutherland, our former senior pastor here at Life Church. If you don't know him, I'm sorry, but you're missing out. But I asked to meet with Ralph uh, once about something that had been pressing on me for a while that I wanted help in. And as I was talking, I didn't expect it, but all these emotions welled up and I couldn't hold it back. And so along with other times that I sat with him in his office, either frustrated or disappointed or discouraged. This time I was just pouring out my heart to him. And I learned the lesson through Pastor Ralph of compassion from our Heavenly Father. And while I thought that Ralph may have had other, better things to do or, or, or he, he was a bit annoyed, whatever, at no point, did I feel condemned? At no point did I feel belittled or to make to be feel as though I was a nuisance. Uh, hear me, I just felt as if I was sitting with someone that genuinely cared. And Jesus shows us compassion that is so countercultural in the word. It shows us the, the heart of God that, that he has for each and every single one of us. And we find in John 8 verse 10 to 11, that a woman had been brought into the temple courts where Jesus was teaching and uh, she was about to be stoned for adultery. And then Jesus was asked what he thought should happen to her because they were just trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him later on. And so Jesus, he knew what they're up to, but really his, his heart for the woman in this, in the, in this story was, was so large. He says, let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone and at that point, they left one by one. In verse 10, it says, Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Verse 11, No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. It's not that Jesus affirmed the way she lived. In fact, he told her to stop living that way. But Jesus was saying to her, I see past what others can see, and I, I see the true you. And I want you to know this morning that God sees the true you. He sees past the baggage. He sees past the exterior of what is going on in the moment. He, he, he sees past the mask that you put up in front of everybody else. God sees past it all, and God sees the true you every single time. It was once said, man may dismiss compassion from his heart, but God never will. Let me say that again. Man may dismiss compassion from his heart, but God never will. God sees the true you. 
and he loves you. Isaiah 49 verse 13 says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Psalm 86 verse 15. There's so many scriptures about this. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I just want to remind you this morning that God doesn't have a bad temper. I want to remind you this morning that God isn't an emotional jack-in-the-box. He's just a bounce out as soon as you do something that's untoward. He's not wound up and ready to explode at you. God is a God who is full of compassion for you. That is who He is. Ephesians 4.32 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And hear these two words, just as, just as, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. <laughs> That's amazing. And we can be compassionate towards one another because God was first so very compassionate towards us. And that's a lesson that I learned from Pastor Ralph amongst many other lessons. And then last, but certainly not least, is a lesson that I learned from not just a spiritual father, but the man who I called my dad. And the lesson I learned, the, the glimpse of the father's heart that I came to know through my dad is the lesson of approval. And I've shared this story before, I'm sure, but on the morning that my dad passed away, uh, I was up late uh, finishing my, one of my uh, assignments as an intern. <laughs> and then my dad walked in and without saying a word or or anything. He just walked up and uh, gave me a kiss on the head from, from behind me. And then he said, I'm so proud of you before he got his boots on and, and he headed out the door to the truck yard. And those were my, the last words that I heard my dad say that I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I'll never forget that, but I want you to know that this is God's heart towards you. That you might not have ever heard that come from your father's mouth. You might not have ever experienced that or even had that displayed towards you by anybody. But it's God's heart towards you. That he's so proud of you. And that he has stamped approval. Giving you the stamp of approval on your life. In Romans 8, 15-16 in the message... It says this, it's really awesome. It says, God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know that we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. You might have thought that a lot of other things are on your way. You would have thought that a lot of other things were coming to you. But you are approved as a son, as a daughter of your heavenly father. And because of that, an unbelievable inheritance is on your way.
I'm not just talking about things, but I'm talking about the peace and the joy, the forgiveness that can reside in your life, knowing you have that stamp of approval over you. God's approval should be your standard for success. It shouldn't be what you do. It shouldn't be who you know. It shouldn't be what you achieve. It shouldn't be any of those things. God's approval should be your standard for success. This is something that Rick Warren, a pastor in America, he once said, whose opinion matters most to you? Whoever that person is, is your God. When you value anyone's opinions more than God's, you give that person power and authority that belongs only to God. That creates all kinds of insecurity within you. On the other hand, though, when God's approval matters the most to you, it sets you free from insecurity because He will never reject you. You are approved by God. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe, or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.